presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Pick 6 Podcast, back to recap all of the overreactions from week one in the NFL. There are plenty of them. Will Brinson here, joined by Pete Prisco and Jason Lockenfora. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Tell Pete how handsome he is. Tell Jason how much you, I don't know, how handsome you are too, Jason, whatever. Yeah, tell me no, that that's, I, that's quite all right. Tell Comment me on Brinson's loafers, e- even though you can't see them on the podcast. Just know that he's wearing them. <laughs> I actually don't have any loafers on, surprisingly. What do you uh, have on? Do you do you ever wear tennis shoes unless you're on a treadmill? Are there any chance that you would wear a sneaker in a non-competitive athletic environment? Um, yeah, I I actually uh, I'll wear sneakers at tailgates because you're gonna you're gonna get dirty. Um, gotcha. I wear I wear I wear sneakers. Out and about yesterday because I was going to the gym and knew I would have to wear sneakers later. Wait, wait a second. Gotcha. You mentioned Brinson and athletic ability in the same sentence. Don't don't ever say that. Well, Please. I mean, relatively speaking, Pete. I mean, right. not not at your level, of course. I mean, if, no. only you would take umbrage or something that had absolutely nothing to do with you. But okay. I love that Always. you think that athletic ability is like equated to like like being able to like quasi meet out at your local Gold's Gym, Pete. Or like harass some kid at a, some college kid at a campus by running around the track and creeping on girls. That was no the, the guy. I, the guy I threw out at the at the track was he tried to throw me out. He was a mean man. I, I straightened him out. Let's talk some football, boys. You out meaned him. All right, yeah, I'm gonna rip him. off. All right, I'm gonna rip off some overreactions I had from the week that was in the NFL Week One. I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, first off, the Colts are the worst team in the NFL, Pete. Uh, no, the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, but the Colts are right there with them. Uh, I mean, Tolzien was awful, awful, awful the other day. I went back and rewatched that game, and my gosh, he was bad. Why did you do that, dude? Are you, <laughs> how much time did you have on your hands to be like, boy, I could go have dinner with my wife. I could go to the zoo. I could go to a museum. I could read a book. You rewatched that game. You're, you're I was sick. hurricane. I was hurricane in. I couldn't go anywhere. Of course, I rewatched the game. I wanted to see what uh, Jared Goff looked like, but in the process, I watched the Colts, and they are really bad. Look, for years, Andrew Luck has covered up the lack of talent on that team. Yeah, no question about it. And yep. they have a lack of talent, and they couldn't cover it up the other day. They stink. I mean, they are really bad. That's a bad football team. Would you? Yeah, would you? Would you bring back? I'm sorry. I'm- no, go ahead, Jason. I was gonna say, would you bring yeah. back? I mean, to me, it's like at this point, if you get to if you get to a situation where you're like two and six, and Andrew Luck hadn't played, there's no point in bringing him back, right? I mean, they probably will. People bought the tickets. I mean, I think what you do is you're super smart about it. Uh, you max protect quite a bit, and you just you, you try to make them glorified preseason games for him. And at a certain point, maybe you shut it down. But if the kid's gonna want to play. Um, he will play at some point, barring a setback. But as I reported over the weekend, he's still in a strengthening program. Like, he's not even in the, like, let it rip throwing program. He's still strengthening it and throwing a little bit. And then he's got to ramp up the throwing. And then there's got to be no setbacks. And then he's got to practice, and not just for a week, 
Because when people hear a week of practice, they think a week of practice. As you guys know, a quote-unquote week of practice is Wednesday and Thursday. Friday's a glorified walkthrough. So it's two days. He's going to need at least two and probably three weeks of practice. So, um, and, and two and six might be ambitious. They might be, <laughs> they might be 0 and 7 or something like that when he comes back. But I, I do believe he'll play. But I also believe that, you know, anybody on that staff, Chudzinski, whomever, is going to have it made pretty clear to them, run the football, put him in positions to succeed, and keep the tight end in at all times. All right. Another overreaction from that same game, Pete, Jared Goff and the Rams can win the NFC West. <laughs> well, that's well, they're not in the AFC West, so that would be tough. The, 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 that, they're not going to win the NFC West. That's an overreaction. But. They're significantly better than I thought they would be. Uh, after watching them in a lot of areas, they're a lot better. He's, first and foremost, number one, him. But they have an offensive line now. Whitworth can protect on the left side. Sullivan's good inside at center. It gives them a veteran presence in there. And they both played well. And, and then they got weapons. I mean, that's the thing. He, he hasn't had any weapons. It was a bad combination for the kid last year. He had no weapons. He had a bad offensive line. And he had Jeff Fisher coaching him with a bad quarterback coach in a, in a bad system. So it didn't work. Now it works. He's got a good coach coaching him. He's got a good system. He gets the ball out. He's got playmakers. You know, Watkins lined up in his slot, made some plays. Cooper Cup's going to be a big-time receiver. I mean, they, uh, Robert Woods caught a couple balls. I mean, they have some weapons. This is going to be a good offense this year. I don't think they're going to push Seattle in the division. I just don't. Uh, but but they're going to be an interesting out every week, that's for sure. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you saying here, Pete? Are you saying 8-8? Eight and eight? What, what, what are we saying about these mighty Rams who have played <laughs> 60 minutes of football against a glorified CFL no, team? No, I think what, they're going to – What, gonna, what, I, what I said win, are you putting them on? I said they'd win two or three games. I think they'll win five or six or seven. They're a five-win team. Yeah, they're a five-win Whoa, whoa. That's I all mean, I think just, they've ever been. I don't know. I think this. You got to remember, he waves Seattle pom poms every week. So you got to look, look at it from that. Seattle, point. look, look. The the Rams. I, I realize that they played the Colts. The Colts are an FCS opponent, but the Rams got a ton of pressure on a team that didn't have an offensive line. Seattle doesn't have an offensive line. The Cardinals just lost David Johnson for a chunk of the season. San Francisco is bad. I mean, there's a very good chance the Rams are the second best team in this division when it's all said and done. Oh. Oh, one week. You're overreacting on so. one week. I, I'm not big on Carroll. That's the whole point of the show. You know, <laughs> this is what Pete, we're doing Pete, right now. <laughs> Pete's had the Cardinals winning the Super Bowl eight straight years. But I, I've never been as high on them as, as you. But they're still a better team than the Rams. And, I mean, San Francisco, that was god-awful. But, I, I, I look, the, I, to me, the Rams are a four- to six-win team. And, and that's what I thought they were before week one. And that's what I'm sticking to. They may do it. They may look more competitive in the process, but um, let, let's let's let them face a real NFL team first. So you've buried the Cardinals already, Brinson? No, no. I mean they oh. they lost. I mean they lost David Johnson. He's their most important player. That's I mean that's a that's a big problem. Right, but and they I, don't I, have a I, quarterback or an offensive line, and they're not well, as good defensively as people make them out to be. Well, first off, they're pretty good defensively. A, B, they do have a they're quarterback. Okay. He played like crap last week, but I, yeah, they have a quarterback. And last season. Uh, no, he, the last eight games he played very well last year, oh, okay. Jason. You're wrong. Right. Well, You're wrong. Hey, I know a certain <laughs> quarterback in Seattle that doesn't that didn't play buried. very well last week and, and has a bad offensive line, too. Didn't, you want me to name him? Nobody ever names he, him. How many, how many pick six did he throw? He didn't throw any. Yeah, thank you. 
Man, when Russell, I, I would be, I, I'm going to get beat back here, though. When Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's the only quarterback in the NFL where people cape up for him when his offensive line, like, it's like, well, it's not Russell, it's the offensive line. It's like, oh, come on, Russell, dude, he wasn't very good. No, it's a little bit of everything. He didn't have a great game, but I mean, he, he's also still an ascending player. I mean, if we're really going to compare, like, if oh, that's correct. your rebuttal to Carson Palmer. No, no, like, correct. He's an ascending player. I'm not going to deny that, but, but he wasn't any better than anybody else last week, and everybody else just, gives him a discount because, oh, my God, his offensive line is bad. No, because I think they have the best defense in football, and I think they still have a better overall team than everybody else. So I, overreaction. I mean, the overreaction. All of a sudden, who's the skill guy who's making you go, whoa? Yeah, the Cardinals, losing David Johnson is a hit for the Cardinals. There's no question about that. Yeah. All right, similar overreaction in the same division. The Seahawks offensive line will cost them a playoff berth. No. Defense is, too, berth, defense is too good. It could cost them a January run, though. I mean, the, the problem there is how do you fix it? And I, I wrote about this a little bit in the summer, and um, I wouldn't have played Russell Wilson at all in the third or fourth preseason game because the line is that bad after uh, Fant went down. Not that he's any great shakes, but relative to what else they have, he's a world beater. Um, I just don't know where they go and get one. I mean, Dwayne Brown, I don't see the, the Texans going to have to end up paying him. The bad teams don't have him, and the good teams aren't usually ready to wave the white flag before the before the trade deadline. I, you know, I was all over them to trade for Joe Thomas years ago when they probably could have had him. Now, with a rookie quarterback there and a little bit of sign of hope, they can't trade the left tackle now of all times. I, I don't know how Seattle improves that other than mining the waiver wire every week. It's doesn't your boy, doesn't thought, your boy John Snyder? I mean, Snyder I thought it would be bad, but but that was downright undermining. Like it yeah, undermines but, their ability to run a big boy offense. Hey, but doesn't your boy John Snyder have to take some heat on this one? I mean, year in and year out. I'm giving him heat. I'm saying they 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 should have they should have addressed this. I was telling them to trade two ones and curse for any for for any uh, you know possible offensive you know decent tackle you could get. The problem is who's trading their tackle in in August or September. It's also a little bit of the air against like the Patriots have like oh our offensive line we can get by with our offensive line because we have that great defense in Russell Wilson and he'll compensate for it and we don't need to spend money on that offensive line then they go what give Luke Jokel eight million dollars for a one year deal he can't play at all um, you know they they uh, the the tackle they drafted in the first round of Fetty has been a, a, a disappointment I mean they have all kinds of problems so yeah uh, look the line stunk but the the offense stunk in general including the quarterback he wasn't very good last week. And uh, yeah, I remember I remember Schneider saying too at the combine that he you know, he's like he's like sometimes you draft for need and we might be in a situation to do it and they they didn't really do it. Uh, moving along to the AFC North, an overreaction here. The Bengals are the worst team in the AFC North. They might be. Mm. I, I, they're, they and they're not. I don't know that they're that much better than the Browns, and they won't be as bad as they were last week all the time. But but they've got real issues there, and, and that, that's line been issues. a window closing. When you lose two stud starters, you don't really replace them. Um, you've lost two really good chain moving receivers the last couple of years. You've become kind of predictable. Think of all the coaches, the brain drain, right? All the offensive minds who left that building. You got a coach in the lame duck year, quarterback who's a lame duck the next year. I think it could be a perfect storm. Um, and they're long in the tooth defensively. I, I, I haven't thought they're anything better than middling for a couple of years now. And they, the thing that scared me the most about that game, Pete, like 
they they kind of rolled in the fourth quarter. Like they kind of stopped playing at home, home opener. You're down by a couple scores and you're punting on fourth and eight around midfield. Well, know. they have the same problem. They have the same problem Seattle has. I mean, you you want to point to an offensive line that stinks. They've they've played Bodine and Bodine in the center, Bodine in the center for the last couple of years. He's terrible. He can't handle anybody. Now they got Agbuwe playing left tackle. He was a spinning top last week, and the right tackle's not great either. They got problems on that offensive line, and when you have problems on the offensive line, you have a short quarterback. Balls get batted down in his face. He can't see. He throws picks. It's not a good combination. And on the other side of the ball, you're right. Age is starting to creep in over there. Uh, they have issues. That's not a very good team right now. Having said all that, they'll get right on Thursday against Houston, who is bad. Houston is – look, there's a lot of teams that have bad offensive lines out there. Um, Giants – I mean, look, the, the, this offensive line thing is going to be a problem for these contenders, the Giants, the Texans. Uh, if, you go you back and, if you go back and look, there was a nice piece done on the poor offensive line play a couple of <laughs> last year when I went and sat with them. And th- there's a reason for it. There's a lot of reasons for it. A, spread off colleges – they spread offenses. They teach them how to pass and tap. They don't put their hands in the ground. B, they don't have any time to teach. These guys are all install, 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 install. They want to put the playbook in. So when they get to the NFL, all they're doing when they're in the NFL is getting install, 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 and all the little techniques, all the little tricks of the trade aren't there. And then the third problem is you don't hit as a unit. You don't learn to have cohesion. And the one unit that needs to be have a guys working together, knowing when you can come off the double, when you can do this, is the offensive line. And if they don't work together and they don't in the preseason because they don't hit, it's a real problem. Back in the day, they used to have double-day practices, you know, four, four days in a row. And they would rep and rep and rep and rep and rep. Now they have one double, one prac, one pad of practice, barely rep, and then they're off for a day. So and that's the three reasons. What's that, hey, Jason? That's it. You only get 14 of the real practices a year. Um, while, while we're talking overreactions, Pete, I wonder how much film you looked at of Houston. We're all talking about Houston's offensive line and no Dwayne Brown. Right. People who are smarter talking about Bill O'Brien's ridiculous game plan without max protecting, without chipping, without keeping a tight end in, and basically sending Tom Savage out to the Wolves. But no one's talking about the defense that gave up 150. Now, I was mm-hmm. watching it as part of eight games. I was watching it at once. But I made notes several times, what's up with J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt ain't right. J.J. Watt's really rusty. I talked to somebody who broke the film down for an NFL team last night who said, keep your eye on J.J. Watt. You know, back, lower back, position he plays. I I mean, everything's overreacted in week one, but I don't know if enough's being made of that, given what he's been through and the fact that without him, they could be really screwed. Well, and I haven't watched that tape yet. I'm going to watch it here in the afternoon, but I did watch the game and I have rewatched the game again, but I haven't watched the 22. But I'll say this. You mentioned Watt. Watt didn't do anything. But you know who else did, disappeared? Cam Robinson swallowed Jadavion Clowney whole. That's a rookie left tackle playing in his first game. He swallowed him whole. This is a Jaguars offensive line that was atrocious in the preseason. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. I mean, they were benching guys. They didn't settle on their two guards until the final game, and yet they dominated them up front. They ran for 150. They protected very well. It wasn't a good performance by the Texans. And, you know, you flip to the other side. Jacksonville's defensive line might be dominant this year. You know, you I got want two, to see him against a real O-line, but yeah, I mean. I mean, you got grown men in, in Campbell and Jackson. And then yeah. Gogway is speed off the edge. And Dante Fowler, who is, is, is really improved in a lot of areas. Uh, and I'm telling you, they got a chance. They're fast, they're athletic, and they can cover. They didn't let anybody get open either. That's another thing. Ramsey and, and Boye had, had the gloves on the other yeah. day. 
One actually that this leads into the perfect next reaction. The Jaguars are not just the best defense, but the best team in the AFC South. Come on. I mean, are they they why can't the Jaguars win the division? You know that? You know that, Brinson? You're human clickbait sometimes. But I'm literally doing a show about overreactions. I'm trying to find things that might no, he, be overreactions. He, but we, we know he's a clickbait, walking clickbait. Okay. He has that. Let me let me just ask you this real quick. If you go to the NFL.com slash standings page, who's the first who's in first place in the friggin' AFC South? It's it's freaking September the tenth or whatever, dude. That's I mean, why it's an overreaction, guys. That's why it's an overreaction. Look, Is but it? you know what though, Brinson? They might be. Oh my god, Stevens, you can't rip me and then agree with me. No, here, here, I'm not ripping you for you. I'm just whipping you because you're your normal clickbait. Will clickbait Brinson. We know how that goes. But this, this, they might be. Here's why. Tennessee's defense didn't look very good the other day. That, that has to be a concern going forward, particularly the one cornerback spot, which they thought might be a problem until Dory Jackson got it going. Yeah. Houston looks like a disaster. They got to play Deshaun Watson. The other guys. No good. Yeah. The other Tennessee's guys. Is, right. And then, and then uh, you know, the Colts are terrible. Colts might be, like we mentioned, might be one of the worst teams in the league. So Jacksonville wins this week against Tennessee. They're going to win the division. How's that? I would just remind us that tennis, that at some point in the season, Jacksonville will need its quarterback. Like, they're not going to be able to play nothing but rugby every week. Like He actually played pretty well sure the other day. Him. Yeah. He actually okay. played pretty well the other day. Yeah. Okay. Losing Allen Robinson will hurt them. Yeah. I, look, they, I look, don't really know how. I don't know what 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 are they going to do in the passing game. I just don't. I don't see anybody winning matchups. Anybody helping that quarterback out. And look, Fournette's the biggest help in the world. And if the offensive line's even a little improved, that's a big deal. But like, usually, even to win that bad. Well, I guess that division is the exception because they won it with Osweiler last year. But um, no. But but look I, look I at their they schedule. They play. But Jason, they play Tennessee this week, right? And they play Baltimore. They're going to need a quarterback to beat Baltimore. That's in, in London. London. That's in London. And then they play. They play the Jets, right? I mean, they that could be yeah. four. That could be four and zero. Oh. There it is, Pete. There it is. You're right back in. Right no, I don't think in. they will be. I mean, look, is Baltimore as good as they looked the other day? Defense. That's, that the defense is legit. They have no passing game. They they have no passing game. The over somebody under, said, somebody the sent me a text. On that Ravens game is going to be like fourteen. That Ravens Jaguars game in London, and you better take the under. That, that's what somebody texted me the other day and said, oh, my God, that Baltimore-Jacksonville game, might not nobody might score a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it could be 6-9, to 9-6, nine, nine to six, a little nice score there. Um, another overreaction, you mentioned Leonard Fournette. He looked very good. We also saw Christian McCaffrey in action, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook on Monday night. Here's the overreaction. Kareem Hunt is the best rookie running back this season. Dal- Dalvin Cook will be the best rookie running back. I thought oh. Dalvin Cook was the best running back in the draft last year, but of course he had the off-the-field issues that guys got scared away from. Uh, but Dalvin Cook is the best runner for the era. He's my kind of running back. If I had to pick a back last year going into the draft, I would have picked Dalvin Cook. I wouldn't have taken him in the first round. I would have picked him in the second round just like the Vikings did. He's the best running back in the draft. So Joe Mixon is out because he faced what's probably going to be – I mean, maybe Seattle's run defense is better, but like – Pierce and Williams and Tony Jefferson and run support now as a safety and Mosley. Like, well, his I, offensive I wouldn't line write Joe is bad. Off just yet. Yeah, but his offensive I mean, line is bad. His offensive line yeah. is atrocious. But I also, I'm, I'm not convinced that this Minnesota offensive line is all. No, of I'm sudden, not either. You know what I mean? They played the Saints. I mean, like, you know, at home in a home opener in prime time, 
and they had a lead, you know, pretty much the whole game. Like, you know, I, I want to see some stuff there too. Um, I think the the I mean, look, Cook to me, when you got that, and again, they played against a really bad defense, but he is so friggin' fast around the edge. When he gets that edge, when he hits, you know, the, and he does it on those counters or those inside, those outside zone runs. I mean, when he turns the corner, he just has those afterburners. It wouldn't be surprising to me if that offensive line holds up if he ends up leading all rookies in rushing. Um, Hunt is going to be a beast, I think, though, because of the way that Andy Reid features pass catching running backs in his in his system and how he likes to feed one guy. Cook and and Hunt look to me like, and Fournette too looked looked like the three guys who were just going to be really good this year. Hey, by the way, one last one thing about the running back Cook, and uh, that was a, it was the sad meeting passing of the torch last night. You got the young, explosive running back, and you got the old, broken down guy that used to be a star in that building on the other side, complaining about not getting any carries, and he can't get to the line of scrimmage anymore. If that isn't the perfect setup for the story on the running back position, I don't know what is. Quick, fast, young. Old, slow, too much dough, sit the hell he, down. Didn't you hear, though? He was telling, he was screaming, I love you, to Sean Payton. Didn't you? Yeah, you sure. Didn't, that was a kumbaya moment. Didn't you, did you see, you, did you, did you you see, see the press on the, conference? They, yeah, they called a route for it. Did you see that one on the on the goal line where they tried to throw him a touchdown pass and he got into yeah, the flat? I don't flat. know what they did were doing his, there. Did you see his face after the pass? He was like, get him out of there. I cut him. I'd send them. I would have never signed him. I never understood the Me signing either. in the first place. Why don't they use Mark Ingram? He's a better player. I, just, I would ride Mark Ingram, absolutely. And then if you get a big lead, let this guy go out and get beat up in the fourth quarter trying to milk your lead. But I, I, I'm with you. I would, I would be trying to win the game with Ingram and close it with the, with the old guy. The guy who should be complaining look, is Ingram. Ingram should be complaining. And here's, the, here's yeah. the thing with the Saints, guys. Here's the problem with the Saints. This is a team that for five years now has said they're going to reinvent their defense. They're going to establish the running game. They're going to be a different team. They're going to run and play. They don't – and. They, they just went out and signed a bunch of running backs. It's like a fantasy football team. They're, they're not going to be good. That defense is going to be terrible. Breeze looks like he's under more pressure. And granted, the Vikings have a very nice pass rush. Um, but Breeze looks like he might be under more pressure than he normally is. It's, it, this Saints team could be a well, very Streif, bad team. Streif's going to be out for a couple weeks now. And, and they don't have Armstead. That's a bad – you have no tackles. Also, I'm told that um, our buddy Peter Schrager is reading our tweets on – Monday on Good Morning Football about Adrian Peterson for some reason, Pete. He was reading our tweets. Yeah, I don't know. EK, uh, our boss Eric K has sent me a text of 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 him reading our tweets. I don't know what's happening. We'll check it out afterwards. Uh, one more overreaction. This is a good one. I'll let uh, I'll let Jason take this one first. Sam Bradford is a better quarterback oh, than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh. Did you? Who wrote? Who? Who? Who, I wrote these. Who do you think wrote yours? these? Who is the? I should have known. Why did well, I, he is. Why did I even guess? He he is. Is. I, I was thinking maybe Breach. I could have seen Breach had a hand in that as well. <laughs> uh, he knows how to he, move the, the needle. Uh, no, we're basing this off of a game. I mean, I just like. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not think Sam Bradford's a better quarterback than than Kirk Cousins. He can be a better game manager. That was the best look. I've never seen Sam Bradford play that well. He had a hell of a game. He looked great. He moved the ball downfield. You know, and Alex Smith did the same thing for one game. I don't think that rewrites the uh, reality of their careers, which has been, you know, short to intermediate guys, don't want to make the big play, don't try to make the big play, um, and don't win big games. That, you know, let's – no, I'm not, I'm not all of a sudden a Sam Bradford convert. 
But uh, the Kirk Cousins situation certainly bears monitoring. He was terrible last week. He's awful. You're, and by the way, the, Sam Bradford played just as well as Kirk Cousins did a year ago with a bad offensive line. So, all right, hey Pete, rank these three quarterbacks right now for the rest of the season: Sam Bradford, Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins. Sam Bradford one, Ale- uh, Kirk Cousins two, and Alex yeah. Smith three. I, the thing that cousin, the thing with Cousins that worries me the most of all is that you had this consistency with McVay and then, you know, Jared Goff looks good. Granted, different defenses, obviously, but um, that you're going against. But Cousins now, Terrell Pryor has that drop in the end zone. It was coming back for holding anyway, but he had that ball he lost in the sun early on. I mean, that deep, those deep passing shots that were there with Deshaun Jackson now or not, he's trying to get on the same page with, with Terrell Pryor. And then you have Jay Gruden, who's also calling the plays. I think that Eagles front seven is really good. And it's going to, the Redskins yeah. will have an easier time down, down the road. But I, I worry a lot about cousins and, and his accuracy down the field without DJ there to, to really pick him up with those deep balls. Well, Crowder's got to at least be what he was last year. And yeah. Doxon's got to be a second vertical threat or, or they've got, they've got issues. And for all the money they've spent on that offensive line, and on paper, it looks pretty good. They got to be able to run the football, which they haven't really done for a couple of years. Now, they haven't really done since Alfred Morris sort of was in his prime. And, right, you were still kind of doing the Shanahan stuff in the run game. So I, hey, but, but, but in the last six games of, of Kirk Cousins' illustrious NFL career, he's got six touchdown passes and six picks. Six. Six and six. That's, that's as average as you can get in the NFL. And that might even be below average. So it's time for him to pick his game up. If he really thinks he's the big cash money quarterback, pick your damn game up. It's time for him. <laughs> he doesn't have to think he is. He is. I mean, they're getting, like he ain't paying himself. It's not. Well, that just shows you how des- that just shows him cousins. and guys. The, I mean, the money that him and Dalton and guys like that make it just shows you how desperate they are in this league. Agreed. Not enough of them to go around. Are the Redskins the worst team in the NFC uh, East. The worst team in NFC East history. Right. Well, let's come on, Princeton. If we're going to go big, let's go balls out. I mean, the Giants may be worse than the Redskins. The Giants look terrible. It's, but, but, but I mean, the Redskins could be the worst team game. in that division. It wouldn't shock me. But I mean, I, mean, I don't look, know. You know what? You know what? Hey, Jason. You know what Princeton is? He's the like the fans, the one game overreaction guy. He that's who he is. He's the I one mean, game over. I, I sent you an email. I, I believe. I know. I yeah, saw the I email. We're, we're I saw the email, Britson. But you're overreacting because yeah, I think you believe these. I sent you an email that said I am going to give you some overreactions for the week, and I then saw. you will respond to them. And that yeah, is what we are doing it. on this podcast. It is an overreaction podcast. We only have one week of football that's being played. Of course, these things are friggin' ridiculous. That's the whole point, guys. But for me and Jason, are ridiculous. But Jason, don't you get the idea? He believes a lot of these things. Jay, Pete, um, I, Pete, I I think he probably maybe more so than not. Pete, sure. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because you're making fun of me for these absurd things I said, and then you're like, you but know he's what, Jaguars believe him. He's basically saying you don't think they're absurd. You're pretending to play a bit, but you really kind of believe them. And I'm 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 at least halfway with Prisco. But Pete's agreed with at least five of them, Jason. He agreed that Sam Bradford's better. Than well, that proves my point because you got. You got clickbait and then hot take. You got clickbait setting it up, and you got hot take. Briscoe answering the question. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. All right, I got one, a quick one for you. Hot take here. <laughs> Sergio Dip is the best sideline reporter of all time. 
Oh, leave this point. Leave him alone. Leave him man. alone. Really? Oh my god. You guys don't wanna you guys don't wanna have a little fun on that? I mean, are you guys having the time of your life out here? You guys are having the time of your life right now, aren't you? I'll say this. I don't remember many <laughs> sideline reports in all the Monday night football games I've ever watched. I can remember Eric Dickerson though having a few doozies back in the day. But like I'll remember this one. He, I mean <laughs> Bye guys, quick break. Got to pay some bills, and then we'll be back to talk to Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs, fresh off a two-touchdown performance on Monday Night Football. But first, want our listeners to check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash pick six. Going to get you three free meals along with free shipping. Blue Apron is awesome because it is affordable, it is flexible, it is easy, and it is guaranteed. It shows up at your house every week. You're going to spend less than $10 per person. For a delicious meal, you're going to spend time with your family, which is not always great, but but it's good when you're cooking. Uh, you're going to get healthy, sustainable meals. You're going to feel like you're eating just, I mean, high-end, high-octane content on your dinner table. Here's some of their upcoming meals. Summer vegetable and egg paninis with Calabrian chile mayonnaise and caprese salad. You can't make that on your own. Soy glazed pork and rice cakes with bok choy and marinated green beans. Skillet vegetable chili with cornmeal and cheddar drop biscuits. Sounds perfect for fall and winter weather. And garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad and roasted purple tomatoes. They send, these vegetables they send on Blue Apron are as fresh as they get. The seafood is unbelievably delicious. I, I remember this uh, salmon Caesar salad that they that they dropped one time, but we got it at our house. It was uh, some of the best salmon I've ever had. And it showed up in the mail. It just, it's, it's incredible. So go to blueapron.com slash pick six. Get your three free meals with free shipping. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Back here with Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Pretty good timing to get you on the podcast, Stephon, because you had a nice little game last night. How was it? Uh, how was it under the lights in Minnesota? With the Randy Moss cleats, was it was it at any point overwhelming when you're hauling in two touchdowns doing that? Nah, more so just just trying to execute. You know, you work. I work pretty hard. You know, me and my teammates, we work pretty hard at what we do. So just trying to execute. You don't get too much anxiety. You know, you work for it, so you just want to see everything coming to fruition. Stefan, it must be nice being able to run routes and actually get them to run them to fruition with the offensive line being as improved as they are this year compared to last year. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like them guys did the best that they could. So uh, I appreciate them nonetheless, no matter what. Um, it's my job to get open, no matter how fast I got to get open or how slow I can get open. They they save me a lot of the times, too. So it's a give-take relationship. I heard you use the phrase, you were talking with a, one of your fellow Terps, I think it was uh, SVP, last night after the game, and you used the phrase sprinkle when describing Dalvin Cook. And it, and it seemed to me... And like, because you watch you watch Dalvin at Florida State, you see him rip off these big runs and pop and pop these big explosive plays. You feel like he's got a lot of those coming, don't you? I mean, it seemed like you 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 almost believe that he didn't have as big a game last night as he could have had. Yeah, like just because you know it was his first game, you know, and it's, uh, he's getting more comfortable. He's he's probably going to be keep continue to play as fast as he can. Uh, I'm just I'll be seeing him day in and day out, and I I feel like I feel like you just seeing a little bit. It's just he's just getting started. Stefan, you're a really good route runner, um, and I know a guy that I used to cover back in the day by the name of Keenan McCardell, who was a great route runner. And he was your he was your coach at Maryland. How much did he influence you? A hundred percent. I give a lot of my success to Coach Max as far as like my craft and how to hone in on craft on being a, being a receiver, especially a, a professional receiver. So 
Um, I only had them for a little bit of time, but the amount of stuff I learned in that little bit of time has carried me this far. How much of a difference can you tell? Because I mean, we, we could tell a lot last night uh, between Sam Bradford, you know, year one coming over in the trade at the last second and now year two with Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator and, and really having time to soak it all in. How much of a difference can you tell in the offense with, with his experience? Uh, I just feel like he's more comfortable and he spent more time. You know, last year it was, it was two weeks fresh out. This time we've had OTAs, we've had mini camp, we've had training camp. So spending all that time definitely capitalizes on the relationship you have with your quarterback, uh, with everybody. So it's just it's just a collective unit, everybody working, trying to get things done. Stefan, how, how much does working against Xavier Rhodes and guys like that in practice help you? That's great. I mean, I, I got to get a perfect blend because, you know, Xavier is a big corner. You know, there are big corners out there. Um, physical corner just as far as, like, working technique and things like that. Then I get a smart guy on the other side, like T. New who uh, knows the ins and, out, ins and outs of the game. You know, he's very, very smart. So it's just, you know, it's a great, it's a great thing to have. Yeah, I get both, I get both uh, sides of it. Are, are the Vikings receivers the most underrated receivers in the NFL? I mean, we don't think about any of that. You know, everybody's going to have their own opinion about it on what we can do and how good we are and X, Y, Z. But we don't really care about nothing. We just care about working, working hard, and doing everything that we can to help get a W. We do our job, you know, it makes it easier for everybody else. So we don't worry about how everybody feels about us. Is the turnaround from Monday night tough for you guys now? I mean, you get you turn around, and you go right on the, you go where you go on the road and play this week uh, what, at Pittsburgh, I think it is. Is that is that a tough turnaround? Yeah. Nah, it's not a tough turnaround. It happens, you know. It's a short week. Just gotta focus, you know, get things done, get into the, get into your playbook, or uh, just a lot of studying. You know, it's different when you got a shorter week. But you know, it's just you know, being a professional. That's all. Was the, 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 I mean, how did you come about with the Randy Moss cleats? And did you see Randy Moss's uh, shoes that he was wearing before the game? Uh, yeah, I saw him, but uh, it was all my, uh, it was all my guy who customized all my face, Moss. He's, uh, he does a great job. And we, we bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, we knew, we knew tonight he was going to, uh, he was going to the ring on us. So we just try to, you know, give him his respect. Well, I wanted to, at least I threw an idea. I mean, happened. When you when you play uh, and there's a guy on the other side of the field, you know as good as as Antonio Brown, does that amp you up a little bit? No, I mean I I have nothing but respect one of the hardest working guys. I know one of the best players in the league. Uh, it's nothing but respect for him as far as like what he what he does for the game. But I'm more so just when it comes to me, I worry about my crowd, worry about the things that I can get done, and worry about the things how I can help my team. You know, it's just nothing respect for those guys. It took a while for Mike Zimmer to become a head coach because for whatever reason, people seem to think like you always heard stories like people thought he was too gruff. But I mean, this is a guy that like not to use the, an overused phrase like football guy, but th- I mean, this is a guy who just lives and breathes it. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I remember there was a time where we had to get him out the building, you know, when he had his like, eye situation. So a uh, guy that loves football that much, he, he definitely loves us. Uh, and when you have a coach like that, you want to play for him. You want to go out there and give it, give it to all. Most your teammates, but when you know your coach is out there with as much fire and desire as you have, you know, it gives you extra boost. Stefan, did you have to learn how to be a pro when you got into the league? I mean, because there, there's always the stories of young guys coming in that they don't know exactly what it takes. And you seem to be one of those guys that has learned how to be a professional uh, football player. Yeah, but it kind of took uh, – I've had some great guys – 
along the way. As far as like Coach Mack, you know, I, when I say I give him a lot of credit for my success, not only my craft, but how I approach my day in and day out, um, how I work, how I grind uh, from that side too. So my approach is also as far as like being professional and, you know, that side of it. But uh, learning to be professional, it takes some, for some guys, it takes time. You know, it's, it doesn't click for everybody immediately, but I just ask a lot of questions going in and I, it kind of works for me that way. All right, Stefan, you uh, you picked some good. You picked a good time to do a, a promo thing because you're coming off a Monday night win. You got two touchdowns, and uh, it's easy. It's easy to plug. You're, you're working with CenturyLink to put the power of technology into the hands of lucky Minneapolis area fans. Can you tell us about the sweepstakes you got going on? Yeah, we're giving away boost boxes to fans. You know, you can win two tickets to, to the home games, uh, a tablet with my signature on it. I don't know how much that's worth, but <laughs> you can win that. Uh, we got a 55-inch TV in the boost box. You know, everybody likes a big TV now, so uh, and, and other, like, autograph items. And it's a local thing, so uh, so uh, Victor, like our mascot or the cheerleaders or Vikings alumni will be dropping you off your boost box, uh, and it's a week-to-week thing, so you can sign up, and it'll happen every week, and that's exciting. If you and uh, for the local fans who want to sign up, go to vikings.com slash CenturyLink uh, and be looking forward to your box. Awesome stuff, man. And uh, you can follow Stefan Diggs on Twitter at Stefan Diggs. That's easy enough. And check out vikings.com backslash CenturyLink for a chance to win one of the boost boxes. I, I would, I, I mean, no offense, I would take the, I might take the TV, but an engraved signature iPad is. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. I need an upgrade on my TV, man. My wife took the big one down to the living room. I don't have anything in my office. Oh, dang. Nah, you're going to be watching TV on the tablet. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you might be right. There you go. Hey, thanks, Devon. Thanks for taking the time, man. Thanks, man. No problem. No problem. Diggs is uh, – this is, Pete, this is the guy – when you saw him, and, and by the way, Diggs had a monster game, two touchdowns, but Adam Thielen quietly had, I think, nine catches and 151 yards. Is that right? Oh, no, nine catches, 157 yards. The, this Viking skill position group is actually pretty good. Well, because Rudolph's a good tight end. Cook yep. can run the football. I mean, yeah, they are pretty good. And, and they're going to be a good offense because Shermer's a good offensive coordinator. You know, it's funny. I asked Diggs that question about growing up. I, I heard at Maryland that uh, he thought he was uh, it, you know, and he didn't mm. quite get it and you could tell since he's got to the league that he's he's improved in that area and he he's a polished route runner I mean, he's a good football player that's a good you're right that's a good offense again though bad defense yeah okay the Saints. Really bad. he was killing he was killing an undrafted you know player over there so let, let's you know they didn't have bro at the corner that's that's a concern for them so let's hold off this week Steelers on the road tough turnaround that's gonna be a tough game for them yeah, and I felt two things that kind of stood out, like when you're talking about just how bad the Saints defense was. One, they actually got some pressure on Sam Bradford pretty frequently, and that's that's a red flag for that offensive line. And two, did you see that the first Diggs touchdown where like Bradford, did you see Bradford's ball fake? I mean, like he, he didn't even like attempt to act like he was play fake. He was just holding it in his other hand, and the Saints bit anyway. That, the Saints, Saints defense might be bottom five in the league again, and I think you're right. That is, a, that is sort of a... a a week one overreaction that the Vikings have a, a elite offense. Uh, you know, when, when we don't know what's going to happen with that offensive line elsewhere in the NFL, the chargers and Broncos played on Monday night. Love a good 10, 25 tip. I know you do Pete. Sure. Did you stay up for the game? Of course. Oh, all right. Good for you. I had, the final power, I had the final power rankings after the game. Of course I mm. stayed up. What did you think? First, what were your thoughts on Trevor Simeon? Because I, I'll be honest, I was bad. pretty impressed. He wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He's just he's just him. That's who he is. He's Trevor Simeon. He's never going to be really good, 
He's never going to be really bad. He's just going to be Trevor Simeon, always in the middle. And if they can get just middling from him, they should be okay. As long if he does, if he starts turning the ball over, that's when you got problems. But I think if they get middling from him, he'll be fine. Um, defensively, they're good. You know that they're going to be, you know, with Von Miller and that, that secondary, they're going to be good. I thought the Chargers kind of lo- kind of were walking through things early on. It just didn't yeah. seem like they were ready to go. And then Rivers kind of got him going with the touchdown passes. And you got to find the clock management at the end of the game was atrocious. Oh I mean, you know, that's a first time head coach who clearly didn't know what he was doing in that situation. They should have, they should have, you know, when it was, he ran, the, he ran the ball in that third and one. What were they thinking? I mean, I, like, I know you get the first down, but what are you doing? I don't know. It was bad clock management. And then, and then the kid, you know, they iced him. He missed the kick and then they uh, made the kick and then they blocked it. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a bad loss, I think, for the Chargers and the fact that they came back and had a chance to win. But that's a tough game. You go on the road on yeah. a Monday night to play the Broncos, that's a tough game to win. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this, you know, the Chargers have lost a lot of one-score games in recent years, but is it a moral victory that you come back and have a shot to tie it and actually kind of find your offensive identity? Like, like I think you're right. They, Rivers had, when, when, they went, when they turned it over on downs on that fourth and one, when uh, Todd Jones blasted uh, Melvin Gordon eight yards in the backfield, the Chargers had 140 total yards of offense, and it seemed like they sort of just kind of at, at that point in time when they got, then they get the ball back on the on the toe tip interception, and it felt like they at that point were like, well, f it, like you know we got nothing to lose, let's wing the ball around. That's how they should have approached it from the beginning, right? And they didn't get Hunter Henry involved at all. I mean, he didn't have a right? target, I don't think. Right. I mean, that's that's mystifying to me. I, I think they'll be okay. They play the Dolphins this week in their home opener. Dolphins been out west all week. Um, that's a tough spot for Miami because you got a team at home in their home opener and, and you've been out there all week and, and you haven't been home. So, yeah, I think the Chargers will turn around. I still think when you have pass rushers and cover corners and a quarterback, that's a good combination. And, and I've been hearing all week from Chiefs fans, oh, you picked the Chargers in the <laughs> division, da, 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 you know, you know, Raider fans, whatever. It's one game. Let's hold off on everything. Yeah, and I did think, too, especially there were times where Melvin Gordon and Joey Bosa looked unblockable. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a division winning or at least playoff caliber defensive line they have. And if, if they, if they show up like they did during stretches um, for much of the season, then that defense should be really good. And Casey Hayward, you've got to pick the pick six. That might've changed the, outcome, you know, climate of the game. It totally does. The Broncos marched all the way down. All right. Um, Anything else you want to add other than people should subscribe to the podcast? No, make sure you subscribe to this. And our picks are going to come at the end of the week. Uh, We we stunk last week, all three of us. We were terrible. We will be better this week, I promise you. Yeah, and I think what we might do on these best bets, I don't like – you know, we record the show on Thursday sometimes. I don't like like having to give those out on Thursday. So we might – Because you went one and four. If you went five and oh, you'd be giving them out on Thursday. That is correct. That is 100%. Right. So you and you and Nick are being babies about the whole situation. I'll give them out on Thursday. Whatever. Give them out on Thursday. The fans have a right to know what our picks are. Okay. All right. We'll do it on Thursday. We'll do. We'll go through all the games. That'll be our Friday podcast. This is the midweek podcast. We'll do the Friday Friday podcast. Give out picks for all the games. Then give our best bets. And then Nick will cry when he goes one and four again because he's a loser. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week.